morning. Welcome to Subject ACT, where we discuss local current affairs from a curious and informed perspective. I'm Doug Dobing. In the lead-up to Reconciliation Week next week, today we talk with Canberra Indigenous designer Dion Devau, making history by designing Canberra's first Indigenous round AFL Guernsey. And later in the program, we talk with YWCA CEO Frances Crimmins about women's homelessness in Canberra and the 2017 She Leads Me Conference, a program to build emerging female leaders. This weekend, every AFL club honours Australia's Indigenous people during the Sir Doug Nichols Indigenous Round. Sir Doug Nichols played 54 matches for Fitzroy and was the first Aboriginal to be knighted and also served as the Governor of South Australia. Marist will have a special Indigenous-themed Guernsey thanks to Indigenous Canberra designer and owner of Darkies Design, Dion Devau. In the lead-up to Reconciliation Week, I met with Dion to talk about the Marist Indigenous AFL Guernsey design. Dion, welcome to Subject ACT. Thank you. Now, Dion, we're standing on Linville Oval in Woden, the Marist AFL football oval. The boys are in some Indigenous AFL jerseys. Could you just tell us what we can see at the moment? You can see lots of young Marist guys kicking the football and the boys are lining up to get a shot done um, in the Indigenous um, jerseys for the Indigenous round that's on this weekend, whereby all of the boys will be wearing the jerseys that I designed. Okay, so now your design, you're, you're, one, you're a proud dad and a designer. Yes. Tell us a bit about the story. How did this all happen? I started the business eight years ago because at that time there wasn't many Indigenous clothing labels around yep. and I really wanted to be able to design clothing for myself and for other Aboriginal people to really express how proud they were of being Aboriginal yes. and Tor- or Torres Strait Islander or both, like I am. Yeah. Just a little bit on your background, yes. what's your cultural background? So my, I'm both Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. Mm-hmm. My father's side, I'm Aboriginal, I'm from the Mambara people, which are the people of Palm Island in northern Queensland. Yes. And on my mother's side, I'm Torres Strait Islander, from the uh, eastern island of Adana or Arab is the traditional name for it. As a proud Indigenous man, there wasn't a lot of design happening here? No, no, not not at that time. Like I said, this is going back eight years ago. It's a little bit different now. The business is quite successful. It runs itself, and I've actually got another business now that uh, involves Indigenous IC, uh, getting people into the industry of ICT and recruitment. As a result of the Maris community knowing about my uh, design company, they approached me and asked me t- uh, to design um, the jerseys for the Indigenous rounds. Canberra has never had a specially designed Indigenous AFL Guernsey before, have they? It's the first time that, um, you know, we've seen this happen in, in Canberra in the ACT and um, it's also a real privilege to be a part of it by being able to design the jerseys and it's also a fantastic thing for not just my son who's one of the only um, Aboriginal uh, students at the school but for the whole Aboriginal um, and Torres Strait Islander community within the ACT. As a Canberra designer, to be asked to design a Guernsey for local AFL round honouring Indigenous people, how does that feel? I'm just overwhelmed with um, joy. Overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Um, I have no words to describe. I mean, I've designed clothing that's been worn by people all over the country in different organisations and even been on uh, television. Um, the Governor General has a tie and his wife has a scarf that I, I, I designed. But this is the one that is most closest to my heart and the one that I'm most proud of because it's about my son and being a part of the um, Morris community and sharing our culture with his peers and our local community here in Canberra. Dion, can you tell us a bit about the design? It's a Gowana design and the Gowana is uh, 
something that's kind of revered in many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities all around the country and has significance for, for many. Um, it's also uh, a robust, scary animal. If you've been close to one, you, you realise that it's like not, a, not, not friendly, so it was kind of appropriate to um, have something on the, the jersey that represented strength and courage and um, fierce kind of um, way. So I kind of thought that would be a good mix to put on um, with the boys to, to really represent them going out there their, their team and, and representing Marist uh, in an Indigenous cultural way. Your Indigenous design is more than just art, isn't it? I think this uh, goes towards promoting, um, you know, the fact that, you know, Indigenous culture is such a huge part of Aboriginal uh, Australian uh, contemporary society and that this is one way of, you know, um, uh, promoting recon reconciliation, promoting um, the fact that, you know, Aboriginal people are successful not just in sport but in education, in the arts, is promoting all of that stuff and bringing black and white Australia together. What significance does Indigenous Round have for you? For me it means um, firstly obviously promoting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture but also paying homage to um, the fact that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, um, men and women uh, more recently, uh, have played such a major part uh, with respect to the sport and it's also a way um, you know, sport is such an, uh, a big part of Australian culture and it's a way of bringing non-Indigenous, the non-Indigenous community and the Indigenous community together. So it's all that kind of reconciliation um, as well as promoting um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Australian Islander culture as well. Your son plays AFL for Marist. How long has he been playing for? He's actually only been playing for for two years, um, he's more of a basketballer, but someone saw him play basketball and said, oh, would like him to come out and play <laughs> AFL, so he's out here. So he's doing quite well, actually. He um, participated in the um, Adam Goods program this year, and um, from that was chosen uh, one of five Indigenous uh, boys in the ACT to represent the ACT in New South Wales in a national Indigenous um, AFL competition. So there was Aboriginal um, kids from all around the country competing in a national AFL championship, which was just amazing to see the amount of talent, raw natural talent, that you know these Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander uh, kids have. Adam Goods himself is an AFL legend, yes, an Australian of the year, yes, and a strong advocate for reconciliation. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Now, next week is um, Reconciliation Week. Yes. What, what importance is that for you? It's really important just in terms of, like, um, you know, bringing Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal Australia together. I mean, uh, even, uh, and especially for my children, like, imme the immediate thing for me is the fact that my, my wife is white, she's not Indigenous. So my children are, um, you know, half black and half white. So that's reconciliation in itself. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm playing my part. But uh, on, a, on a bigger scale, it's like, you know, um, I think, you know, there are things that have happened in the past with respect to Aboriginal people and the um, policies that have been implemented that have been quite detrimental to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the past and Australia's history. But I think we need to move forward, not forget that stuff, move forward, try to um, you know, look to the future, look at our future, look at the future of Australia, this country, and um, really try to be a part, you know, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture is a part of the fabric of Australian society. Mm. And I think that you know, Reconciliation Week um, should be something that's, or, you know, should be practised every day, <clears throat> um, and not just once a year. So, so, so reconciliation for you could be something that we have as an Australian lifestyle? Yeah, part of our well, it culture. should be. Like, yep. and I think I, I really um, long for a day when 
I see non-Indigenous Australia embrace Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture, um, much like the New Zealanders do with Maori culture, mm. that it's just the norm, you know, that's not different, that we're not a different well, we're, to the we're rest of the people. We're all one thing, we're together. all Australians, yeah. you know, yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. and uh, we should be proud of the fact that Australia is home to the oldest living culture in the history of the world, and, that's and that needs to be celebrated, celebrated by everybody, mm. Mm. not just yeah. Australians, the whole world. So that's what it is, that's what it means to me. Now, now Dion, as part of reconciliation, what would be a couple of things that you could suggest would help for all cultures to reconcile? I think maybe, you know, for some people, it's just getting online and doing some research about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, um, reaching out to, you know, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander friends, community, attending events that might be happening within the Canberra, a local community around Reconciliation Week, doing some stuff with your Aboriginal friends and families, um, you know, just all that stuff. And that's the stuff that I'm talking about that should be done, like, every day. As part of Reconciliation Week, there is a bridge walk. Can you tell us a bit more about it? The bridge walk that usually happens on the last day of that week, um, a Commonwealth uh, Bridge, and that's the thing that I probably that I usually participate in um, on an annual basis because the whole community and the non-Indigenous community and the and the Indigenous community usually get together and all um, walk, uh, you know, over there and yeah, over Commonwealth Bridge and um, really kind of celebrate reconciliation and and use that as an act of really being able to demonstrate that joining together yes. as, two, as all yeah. as one people. Yeah. Now, is there anything else that you'd like to say? before we close? No, just thanks for the opportunity to be able to, you know, speak a little bit about reconciliation and, and tell, uh, you know, a bit about my story and the, and the, um, the participation that myself and my family and um, has had with around, you know, the Indigenous AFL round um, that's happening this weekend. So thank you. And all the best. Dion, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That was Dion Devau, the owner of Darkies Design, talking about his Indigenous clothing label, the Marist Indigenous AFL Guernsey Design and Reconciliation Week. The 2017 National Sorry Day Bridge Walk is on Friday the 26th of May at Regatta Point. We've been advised to gather at 10.30am with the walk starting at 10.45 at the base of the Commonwealth Avenue Bridge. This year's Bridge Walk is dedicated to the memory of Stephen Freeman who died in the Alexander McConaughey Centre on the last Sorry Day Bridge Walk on 27th of May 2016.
someone like That was Solid Rock from Australian band Goanna. Coming up next, we talk with YWCA CEO Frances Crimmins about women's homelessness in Canberra and the 2017 She Leads Me Conference, a program to develop emerging women leaders. Good morning, Frances. Welcome to Subject ACT. Good morning, Doug. Thank you for having me back on your amazing program. Francis, there was a a census result that came out that talked about Canberra having the second highest rate of homelessness in Australia. Would you agree with that or what's your perception of homelessness in in Canberra, especially in regards to women? Yes, look, I would agree with that. And it's important that people realise that homelessness uh, is defined, it could be some somebody who is also couch surfing as well. So the definition of homelessness is broad, but mm. it is somebody who does not have their own uh, residency, their own tenancy. So that's, those census figures include people who on the night of census uh, may have been um, couch surfing or um, in tenuous accommodation where they had no legal right to be there. Mm. So often we picture someone as homeless as being on the street or, or, or some movies even sleeping on a park bench or in a, in a corner or, or out in the front of a shop front. So that's not necessarily the case of being no, homeless. it isn't. And it's really important to understand that context in the case of women because mm. that is why uh, women don't, aren't as visible in their homelessness. Um, Primarily, there would be, you know, I'm not saying that men on the street are any safer than women, but Mm. women are very cognitive about their safety or lack of safety if they are are visible. So Mm. that is why homelessness for women, and particularly older women, um, is hidden. So we don't see it as frequently, and women, whether it's stigma, um, again, primarily safety, do tend to hide their homelessness, and they would do that in a way... Um, They might actually be sleeping in a car. As I said, they may be um, couch surfing. They may be swapping domestic services or sadly in some cases sexual services um, Mm. just to keep a roof over their head Um, because uh, being out on the street, obviously there's a high level of risk for their personal safety. So Francis, just to take a step back, I mean, what would be some of the reasons or causes? You mentioned domestic violence, Mm. but what would be some of the other causes that would attribute to a woman being homeless? So if we focus just on single older women, Mm. um, 
the reason they're a rapid, and when you look at the baby boomers, I guess it's um, a combination of things that primarily uh, this um, demographic of women have been the primary caregiver mm. um, throughout their life um, to um, children or possibly their own ageing parents. Um, they may have uh, not had uh, participated in the workforce or participated in a high-level paying job because, right. again... Um, if you look at the demographic and what work was available to women at the time when they were uh, in the workforce, they were low-paid jobs and therefore the amount of superannuation that you have um, is also going to be impacted by how much you earned. Um, taking time out of the workforce um, to um, have your children, um, you know, you don't get any superannuation then either. So uh, women live longer. So whether it is through divorce or um, death of a partner, um, women can often find that they um, lose the home that they were that they were living in. Mm. So in a sense, for many years they could have had that security of a home, one with a family, um, mm-hmm. and then a change of circumstances. Either a partner has has died, or they don't have the financial support. They're left homeless. Yes. Okay, yes. and, and, and that's certainly the main. St- and and the other thing I really should point out is a lot of the women we support as older women have experienced violence. You can't. Um, that's a significant factor as well. Mm. So, in in the sense you, you said with older women, um, but general, firstly, generally speaking, what are some of the other risks of a woman? You, you did say safety, but what are some of the other effects or impacts on a woman that's homeless? Well, I think um, everybody would understand if um, if you don't have um, a a safe place to reside in, it obviously impacts every aspect of your life. Mm. Um, the first, particularly again for older women, is um, is your health and well being is going to be significantly impacted. Your ability to um, find and maintain at work, to actually find and engage uh, in support um, and have support services around you. Um, all of those things are not possible if you don't have a safe um, roof over your head. Mm. So the first point we need to fix you know, in our community is this issue of um, homelessness because all of the other uh, impacts that come of being homeless um, are even more complex if you're still the primary you know, the thing you're trying to fix is if you don't have a roof over your head. Mm. So what you're saying is homelessness really is the critical factor to fix first and find solutions for that? Yes, mm. absolutely. And we think that the, with the current policy environment, and it obviously um, what we can do also uh, relies on what the Commonwealth Government do, and they have made a commitment mm. uh, to continue to fund homelessness services, um, in particular services for women and to support women around domestic violence. As we unpack that budget announcement, um, We'll, we'll be able to know what uh, that will mean for the ACT. However, the ACT government has made um, a commitment um, with the new parliament uh, that they are going to develop an affordable housing strategy. Um, in particular, one area that really is uh, is needs to be, um, I think, prioritised is to grow and diversify uh, the not-for-profit community housing sector um, which we are, there's, there's a few community housing providers in, in Canberra, so they, that could be a combination of um, capital investment, land transfer, or there are other means. Mm. We really do need to strengthen our specialist homeless 
uh, support services to make sure it is targeting the most vulnerable groups. As I said, it's a, look, it's a, a, a complex um, uh, issue that we all need and as I said, that's why I'm really hopeful that um, the Homeless Summit will help us um, start developing that roadmap of clear action um, mm. and um, an agreed pathway. So next week you have a She Leads conference, is that correct? Yes, and our She Leads conference is um, it's our, be our fourth conference. So it's an opportunity for women. We encourage employers and uh, to invest in uh, their up-and-coming emerging leaders. Great. So okay. you don't need to be head of the organisation or in a significant leadership role already. It is really about encouraging emerging leaders Yep. Uh, to come and hear from an extremely diverse group of um, women in our conference. Mm -hmm. so, so this year's theme is challenge, and uh, we uh, it, the theme of challenge is um, you know challenge the structural barriers, challenge the status quo, but also challenge your own thinking um, in your leadership journey. Um, which is why we've got some amazing speakers like Clementine Ford, <laughs> um, people wow. like Tracy yeah. Spicer, our MC, yeah. um, amazing uh, Indigenous activist, uh, Michelle DeShong, who I'm really looking forward to hearing from. Um, we have an amazing young woman, um, Drasana, who was uh, a young person of WA and um, she is, uh, was born deaf and so she'll be delivering her keynote uh, uh, and is a strong advocate uh, for people uh, who are hearing impaired or deaf. So a diverse lineup. There'll be somebody that you can identify with. What is the benefit to an organisation to have good, strong female leaders? The economics of it stacks up. Your mm -hmm. business will perform better. You're tapping into the other 50% of the population and having a diverse workforce will achieve your business outcomes and the data is there to support that. Mm-hmm. If we have companies listening to this program and they want to get one of their emerging women leaders to your next week's conference, how how can they do that? Where should they contact? They can just look at our um, YWCA Canberra website or just Google She Leads. It's got its own website and the conference is here in Canberra at QT on uh, Thursday, the 1st of June. And I've heard you talk about She Leads College. What's that about? Yeah, and the other thing, just for your information, we run a She Leads for called She Leads College for Year Eleven and Twelve. Oh, okay. Uh, girls, and this year we've uh, got a small startup grant, and we're going to start She Leads High for Year Nine and Year Ten girls. And so, yes. what, what would the She Leads College involve? So we're fortunate enough that University of Canberra hosts it for us, so mm -hmm. that obviously saves us on venue costs and a few other partners. And it's a day of, for them to come and um, explore their leadership identity. We ask schools, we allow all the schools in the region to select 10, um, not the usual suspect young women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no school uniform, no teachers, uh, preferably nobody um, over 30 in the room, which is why I'm not in the room. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, it is led by young women or young yeah. women. Oh, that is fantastic. And and is there a date set for the She Leads College? So the She Leads College was on in uh, March mm -hmm. and um, we are hoping, we're just working with schools now to run the um, She Leads, first She Leads High in November, but we'll, the She Leads College will come up again. So it is about this suite of leadership opportunities. Oh. And um, the Year 9, Year 10 one is about um, helping them in that transition period which yeah, is a pivotal yeah. age. And it's great to have, say, the YWCA uh, mentoring and guiding our future women leaders. 
Yes, so that's what I was excited when we realised we might be able to get the she leads high coming up. Oh, wow. <laughs> look, Francis, thanks. I Look, every time I chat with you, um, <laughs> I discover more about the work that you and YWCA do. So thanks. Thank you so much. You are listening to YWCA CEO Francis Crimmins talking about the 2017 She Leads Conference to develop emerging female leaders to be held at QT Canberra on Thursday the 1st of June. You are listening to 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. If you have an interest in radio or would like to sponsor a program or subscribe, please contact us on 2XXFM.org.au. This program and other informative podcasts can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash subject ACT. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Tune in to Subject ACT on 2XXFM each weekday morning from 8.30 to 9. Thank you for joining us on Subject ACT. I'm Doug Dobing. Have a great day.